Jimmy Garoppolo getting his first action here in the entertainment capital of the world. The world. Touchdown, Las Vegas. It's the T.C. Martin Show. Show. Airs it out down the middle for Adams. Got it. Inside at the 10. Your daily prescription restriction from the doctor. Good Friday to you, and welcome to the Superbook inside the Westgate Las Vegas. T.C. Martin, my tag team partner, Marco D'Angelo, one of our handicapper extraordinaires, joins me on the bookend, the Mondays and the Fridays, and of course here back at the Westgate Las Vegas, our Friday home, especially on a football Friday as we get ready for the NFL playoffs divisional weekend round. Looking forward to this, and yes, we are... Down now to eight teams. We got four games, two on Saturday, two on Sunday. We'll handicap all of those, go over it with you. Our crew today, the head coach, the former head coach, Mike Tice, he will join us from Minnesota Vikings fame. He will roll around here and uh, participate as well in Best Bets, which we always do, of course, as you know, on each and every Friday. Jake Cornegay, the vice president of the Superbook in the Westgate here in Las Vegas, he will join us a little bit later on this hour. Is a very festive Friday, as always, here. T.C. Martin Show streaming live, coast-to-coast, border-to-border, wherever you may be, and, of course, here in Las Vegas and the Valley. And glad to have you with us on this Football Friday, and Marco, I'm pretty pumped up, revved up, fired up uh, for this action uh, this weekend uh, because we've got a rid of a couple also rans, as uh, using a horse racing terminology, as I like to say. We still have maybe a couple horses in trouble, as I like to say, that are still in this field, but I am really feeling this is a favorites weekend. Well, obviously, you've got two large favorites uh, with Baltimore and San Francisco with two teams that are probably surprises to a lot of people uh, still being here. Uh, Houston, what a game they had last week against Cleveland, demolishing the Browns. And then, uh, of course, when we talk to Jay later, I'm sure he's still smiling from the result of the Green Bay-Dallas game is every book in town says that was a great, great win for the house. The pack being back. <laughs> I want to tell people to slow your roll on the pack a little bit, okay? Uh, there are some some great trends that are out there for games this weekend. And I know that the public loves to fall in love with the last thing that their eyes saw going back last week. But remember, San Francisco, Baltimore, they're well-rested. They're the number one seed. Everyone else had to play since the NFL went to this only, you know, one team in each conference getting a bye. So it is a, a little bit different. Uh, but, uh, you know, in the past, maybe we've seen a team or two get scares when they had the two buys. It really just depends on how these teams are finishing the regular season because that is very important. You go back to Philadelphia last week, they backed themselves into the playoffs, and a lot of people, including you and I, thought, okay. We don't think that you can just you know turn the switch on and off, but you are playing a Tampa Bay team that you know is, is lucky to be here. 
And what happened was, well, Tampa Bay, who closed the season very, very strong with, what, five of the last six wins, uh, got the job done over Philadelphia and actually you know, blew them out. But then again, that was more of a, a situation, I think, with Philadelphia being as bad as they've been, the way they tanked and ended up losing five of their last six games and some of those games non-competitive, and that was the case. You don't have that with Baltimore. You don't have that with San Francisco because both these teams were pretty solid all the way through. They pretty much stayed injury-free, especially towards the end of the season. And even in games where they rested players or could have rested players, they decided to still play hard and win games. In San Francisco's last regular season game, uh, they played the Rams and, and beat the Rams, uh, you know, without Brock Purdy and Christian McCaffrey and Debo Samuel. Uh, San Francisco's rested, and uh, this is a, I think it's a great spot for both of these number one seeds in their respective conferences, especially San Francisco. Yeah, no question. San Francisco is the favorite, you know, to take everything down. When this team has been healthy this year, uh, they had that one three-week stretch, three-game stretch, and when they came out of the bye from that, they were, you know, the best, probably the best team in football. Uh, there was a lot of talk, uh, Brock Purdy being the MVP. That kind of went up in smoke on that. I think it was a Sunday night game or Monday night game. I don't remember. Uh, Baltimore and San Francisco, but I know it was a primetime game. And they absolutely demolished you know baltimore demolished uh, the 49ers he didn't have a good game in that one and that shifted the odds on the mvp um lamar jackson became the favorite after you know that one head-to-head matchup so um it's crazy i the year that brock purdy had was you know obviously is good but when there was all the talk about him being the mvp it's kind of hard for him to be the mvp tc when you have another guy that should be consideration for the MVP on that team, and that's Christian McCaffrey. Yeah, no question, no doubt. You know, when I said that there are some trends that really point to the favorites going here. A team that has that won last week by at least fourteen points. When they're a dog the following week in this divisional round, it's not good. I mean, it is a is a huge percentage in favor. Uh, going against that team. And it makes a lot of sense because you figure teams like Houston and Tampa Bay and Green Bay, who are life and death to get in to the postseason, they they won big, and they, they, they won big surprisingly. You know they're going to have that emotional letdown. And the opponents, in this case, Baltimore, San Francisco, and Detroit, They've got plenty of film, tape, whatever you want to say, video to go back and look at this. I'll use the Packers-Dallas game as a prime example. Dallas got crushed in this game. They fell behind early, 27 to nothing. Uh, Dak Prescott was awful. Mike McCarthy was awful. But even worse than those two was probably Dan Quinn. With the defensive alignment and game plan that Dan Quinn, the defensive coordinator for the Cowboys, had, it was atrocious. And Jordan Love looked like Brett Favre. He looked like Aaron Rodgers because he was hitting wide-open receivers. There were so many defensive breakdowns. And you saw Dallas just frustrated on both sides of the ball. You saw them arguing with each other. But that was more schematically than anything else. 
with Dan Quinn. He played, elected to play a soft zone coverage instead of playing man-to-man defense and start uh, pressing his, uh, you know, uh, the wide receivers, which the Cowboys have normally done. You went away from that. And to me, that was it, plain and simple right there. You mentioned on Monday's show about, hey, taking the opening kickoff, and we're going to ram it down your throat. And that's what the Packers did. And then, you know, Dallas can't move the ball. They turn the ball over. Next thing you know, you know, 7 nothing turns into 27 nothing with a couple errant picks, and you can't move the football. So, you know, to me, that's why Jordan Love was successful. Not because he's the second coming of Brett Favre or Aaron Rodgers. I think people get kind of lost in that. I'm still waiting for the Jordan Love to resurface against the New York Giants, where he wasn't very good. Even in their last regular season game, when they had had to beat Chicago to get in to the postseason, he wasn't spectacular. That was a 17-9 game. So San Francisco is not Dallas defensively. San Francisco is a beast. Baltimore is the exact same situation. They are not Cleveland. And I don't want to hear about Oh, Cleveland had one of the top defenses. Baltimore, you know, is number one in scoring defense. And they go yardage-wise, it's Cleveland. Oh, Cleveland was banged up, and we talked about it on the show. That's why I went with Houston in one of my best bets last week, because Cleveland has lost five out of their last eight regular season, five of the eight uh, regular season road games. They were on the road. They were a shell of themselves. Sure, Joe Flacco had a lot to do with that offensively, but defensively, they weren't stopping C.J. Stroud. They weren't stopping Singletary. They weren't stopping the running game. Nothing. So I don't want to hear that Cleveland's got this great defense. Yeah, they put up some decent numbers against some soft competition, but the bottom line is when they go on the road, they're a different football team, and that showed out last week. So to me, this is easy. San Francisco, Baltimore, I'm going to be on the favorites train this weekend. I agree with um Thinking of you three just, of the four. You can just I say, can, I agree with everything you say. You can no, say that. No, I, it's not in my vocabulary. Remember, remember it, anything isn't everything, by the way. Okay. The, <laughs> the situation uh, with the Detroit-Tampa Bay game, and when we get to best bets, yeah. we'll break it down a little more. But um, last week's game, I think if you look at the, the teams that have advanced, the team that's at the bottom of the pecking order of – the one through eight is clearly Tampa Bay, okay? Because they played in the weakest division in football. Let's let's face it. I mean, went down to the last week of the season, deciding whether it was going to be the Saints, Atlanta, you know, in Tampa. You know, it wasn't a juggernaut, but and they got to play Carolina twice. They get to play, <laughs> they get to play Carolina twice. All of them. yeah, they did, but. And only beat them nine to nothing. Most people are going to look at the Tampa Bay win last week, and they're going to dismiss it because it was Philadelphia who was in total free fall the entire sec- you know last month of the right. season. Okay, when you watch that Philadelphia game, and I know you hate when I say this, there were there's problems bigger than what we're just watching on the field. Um, it, whether it's the locker room or what. That team, to me... Why do I hate quit. it when you say that? I, well, I, I, agree, when I, say, I actually agree with you with that. When I say I, teams I, quit. Okay. I don't like that. The teams quit. But, again, to, when there's a disconnect and then, you're, then your momentum is rolling backwards and the other team is rolling on top of you, that you get frustrated, you start to press, and then it looks like a team is quitting. Yes. When I was watching that game and I was texting back and forth with a buddy of mine that's in the business... 
I said, you know, as bad as Philadelphia has played this first half, somehow they're still in this game. And and you've been betting long enough and covering sports that when you totally dominate a team and it's only a one-score game, you never feel good, okay, if you had the team that was totally dominating the game. That usually comes back and bites you. The minute, the minute that Philadelphia had the tush push shoved back in their tushy, (laughs) that's when I felt game was over. Yeah. That was it. Because nobody has stopped that play all year long, all year, in Tampa Bay, stuck it right back in her face. And that was the two-point conversion, yeah. 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 But like you said, three minutes to go in the third period, it's a 16-9 game. Yeah. But still... You know, if I'm back in Philadelphia, I'm I'm not feeling comfortable. I told you I thought the game was over on the second possess Philly's second possession. You know, when they had you know third and two on their very first possession, like okay, they're running the ball swift for nine yards. Hertz completes a, a another pass, you know, for eight yards. Go okay, this is this is looking good. You're you're at the 44 yard line, and then you go third and two, and we've seen this so many times with Philadelphia. Throw the ball out of bounds, 35 yards down the field, and it's like okay, you know what? Just go for it. You're you're midfield. Go for it. No, we're going to punt. Yeah. Wait. You shouldn't punt because Philadelphia just or, uh, Tampa Bay just went down the opening drive and scored easily, even though they were held to a field goal. But you said, "Wow, you're lucky that it was only three instead of seven. And then I just knew they punt the ball back to Tampa with that momentum. It's like, okay, they're going to score again. Then the next thing you know, it's ten to nothing. So then that second drive, when they same thing, third and two pass, couldn't convert. Fourth and two, oh, we're going to punt again. Ball game. And sure enough, it was. Flashing back to Monday, if you remember when we were here doing the show, you know, we talked about that. You said, you know, can a team turn the, you know, flip the switch? You know, you can't do that. And I said, we still look at this Philadelphia team and remember that just a few years ago, they won a Super Bowl and they were in a Super Bowl last year. So you're trying to give them a little bit of credit in doing it. But I said, this is one of those games, TC. You talk about live betting. This is what you want to do because you're going to know pretty quickly in this game if the light switch was flipped Mm -hmm. or if somebody forgot to pay the power bill (laughs) Okay, (laughs) when they went to flip the switch and nothing happened. And that's pretty much what you saw. And that will be a good question for Jay uh, on that game Monday night. Did they get hit hard in live betting? Because normally – Live betting team people like to take the team that's actually losing because the line goes up and you you always expect that run. This is one of those teams that we said if it ain't working, it could get ugly. Right, and it did. And it did. And you're right. That's exactly what did happen in the live betting where people were all over Tampa in that situation. So Tampa Bay's here against Detroit, and again you. Know, this is a matchup where I say it's a surprising matchup. And I know some people will say, well, wait a minute. Detroit was favored to the NFC North. Anybody hasn't been in the playoffs is not a regular, you know, in the playoffs. You just don't say, okay, yeah, you know, we knew Detroit was going to be there. They had work to do because you, you knew that there was going to be a challenge from Minnesota and in the Packers and sure Detroit ended up winning, but, there's not a lot of people that still believe in the Detroit Lions. So Detroit has two home games. Uh, they get the perfect opponent. You know, last week, 
they get, and, they, and they win, and then now they're getting another, uh, I don't want to say an easy opponent, but it benefits them. I mean, Detroit is here in the divisional round hosting the game as a six-and-a-half-point favorite. Uh, they'll take that, and they, by all rights, should win this game. But it is still Detroit. That's why I still have these reservations because we saw some of those signs last week. The only game that wasn't a blowout in the wild card round was the this game Detroit against the Rams last week. And the Rams were there. They were there. And we saw Goff kind of, you know, made one bonehead one. play. It, it didn't come back to haunt him. You know, pitched the ball, you know, behind the line of scrimmage. and But... Detroit didn't score a touchdown in the second half. Their offense was non-existence. And we talk about that game, you know, uh, the total, I believe, is what, 53? And it was 21 to 17 at halftime. And and he got nine combined in the second half. That's all you got. And Detroit gave you nothing. So there's still that red flag for a team that was at home, and everyone is expecting them to handle their business here. But... I, I think they are. I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt. I will be on them myself. Not sure if I'll be on them and laying the six and a half, but I will go ahead, play them on a teaser or money line, money line, and let, and and, and uh, just have them win the game because Tampa Bay plays ugly. They play ugly football, and again, still not totally convinced about Baker Mayfield in this situation. And a lot of times we see this. Hey, great story, Green Bay. Great story, Houston. Great story, Tampa Bay. Your party's now over. This is where it normally ends, and I firmly believe that all three of these will be extinguished this weekend. Two things to say. First of all, as far as Detroit goes, remember when they got screwed at Dallas on the two-point conversion? They screwed themselves. Remember that. Okay. Well, there's a debate about checking in or not checking in, okay? Uh, the camera angles in the film showed that he, he was there. But did you see whenever they came in and he reported? And they, yeah. You know, yeah, right. <laughs> he was making sure right. you know, right. that uh, the ref knew. But here's the situation. They caught a break by not having the number two seed like Dallas did because it – it worked out in their favor. Yes, they had to draw the Rams in the first game, but they didn't draw a division rival, which we know how hard that can be to, you know, when you play a team three times a year and so forth, different things. But, and ironically, Dallas is out, so they don't have to go back to Dallas. Mm-hmm. They're at home. So, in essence, they are now the number two seed. Yeah. Okay. Correct. All right. So all of that worked out. But here's my question. And I know this is going to sound to some uh, like, you know, did you drink before you came on the show? I am worried about a little bit of a Detroit letdown. Okay. I know it's a playoff game. But at the end of that game, when they're, you know, the cameras spanning the stadium and the fans, you got fans in the stands, literally crying. <laughs> Tears of joy. Yes. Okay. Yeah. And we're not talking about women. Grown men with beers in their hand <laughs> crying at the end of that game because they finally won a playoff game, first time in 32 years. Now, I'll say this much. It can go one of two ways. Either they come out with that hangover effect from that big win, and then we'll get to the other part of that big win, or because they – got through, it was a tight game, and they survived. A lot of times that'll send a team on, catapult them to it. Like when we get to March Madness, I'll always tell you um, when a good team has a scare, 
you know, in the first round and the second round. I'm all over yes. them no, in, that's, in, that's, in the that's next a great one. sign. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm I'm there. But I'm just concerned about Jared Goff. <laughs> that because not because of his ability. That was the game of his life. Not by perf- performance. He's had games w- with better stats. Don't get me wrong. His first half stats were insane. Okay. But you had the opportunity to bring the city of Detroit to the playoffs and to win a playoff game, which they hadn't done since, what, 32 years. That in itself is huge. But then the icing on the cake is you did it at the expense of the team that quit on you, gave up on you, and traded you away. You can't have – when they interviewed him at the end of the game, he was good – Talking about everything, and the other two players were there with him when they were interviewing. And when I forget who the sideline reporter was for that game, said to him, "How big of a game was this for you personally? And what did this mean?" It took everything he had not to break down on national TV because there was emotion there. It yeah. meant a lot to him, and I'm just worried about. How do you how do you duplicate that again? I know it's the playoffs, but you come right back in seven days, and you've you've got to have that, and that's my concern. And I think Tampa Bay is a sneaky team in the regard that you say they like to you know muck it up, play play an ugly style of game. It's not going to be a shootout. That's the way to beat. That's the recipe to beat Detroit if you're going to beat them. And if you saw the second half of the Rams game, the Rams changed the way they played defense. And for the first time, I don't think I've ever said this about Dan Campbell, other than the last drive at the end of the game, he played not to lose instead of playing to win in the second half. And that is not Dan Campbell at all. But when it came down and the chips were on the table, and do you throw the ball or make them burn that last time out? You know, he gambled and put the ball in his quarterback's hands and threw for the first down that ended the game. Mm. A lot of coaches would have run the football there. Mm. No, you bring up a lot of valid points, and I agree with a lot of, of what you're saying here uh, from the emotional side. And, again, when a team, you know, they're just happy to be there, and now they feel the pressure, like now we have to win a playoff game. They win the playoff game, and now, whew, okay, we can rest easy. And, like I said, there's two ways to go with that. Obviously, it's like, okay, now, you know, we got our mojo uh, let, let's go. We're playing with house money now. You can, you can take that approach. I know people love Dan Campbell. They like because he's the raw, raw guy and everything, and this team has improved. I get that. You know, but here's the thing, too, as far as Tampa, and I'm going to agree with you, but I'm going to add this as well, too, to, to your point. Uh, and if you're back in Tampa, you'll like this because Tampa is the experienced playoff team here. They've got experienced players who have been there. Now, granted, Tom Brady's not there, but Mike, William, Mike Evans and, and guys like that, they've been there. Okay, they've lost some players. Levante, David, guys on the defensive side of the ball. Tampa Bay beat Philadelphia down last week because of the defense. Because that defense, that's one thing Todd Bowles can do. He's not a great head coach, okay, but stick to the defensive side of the ball. And they, they disrupted Jalen Hurts. They took away the passing game, sure. Philly was injured, didn't have A.J. Brown, but they didn't let up. Now, the offense was shaky, you know, with Tampa. That's my, my concern. But defensively, they've got players that have been in the postseason before and have made some decent postseason runs. So that, if you're back in Tampa, you got that going for you 
where Detroit is still an unknown commodity. Now, on the flip side, you're at home, you're in pristine conditions, and Tampa Bay's defense is what I'm worried about, okay, as far as being able to stop the run. They're 29th in the league against the run, and they're a little shaky there with that. They give up nearly six yards per play. That's one of the worst in all of football, and Detroit is one of the best, averaging close to seven yards per play. So when you add that up, I'm thinking the way Detroit moved up and down the field against the Rams, they should be able to do that as well. Because we knew the Rams defensively. Aside from Aaron Donald, they're a sieve, especially in the secondary. Tampa Bay's not great in that secondary. Their linebackers are good, a little bit of defensive pressure up front, but they have shown to be vulnerable defensively and given up some big plays. And you can look back at some games, including when Detroit faced them the first time, Detroit won 20-6. to that they got shredded. So that's what is is a little bit of the fear. Uh, personally, like I said, it's not one of my favorite games. This isn't going to make my best bet card. But if I have to be in action, which is fun to be in action with all the games here, right? All right especially on Divisional Round Weekend where there's only four of them. Moneyline Detroit, teasing Detroit down to just win the game. I feel good about that because of the weapons they have offensively, the you know the dual running backs that they have are are, are very good and very strong. You know when you you know uh, you know especially the way Jameer Gibbs, if, especially if they let him kind of you know be kind of the workhorse and they're more fifty fifty or sixty forty, you know in favor of Montgomery in, instead of uh, Gibbs in Goff. But but the wide receivers and Laporte at the tight end, if he's good, you know playing now you know a week past his injury. I just I can't see Tampa Bay slowing them down. This could be an ugly game, which benefits Tampa, but I definitely do not see this being a high-scoring game. Oh, I don't either. Tampa Bay can't win in a high-scoring game. Tampa Bay has to get it to an ugly game. And I know Baker, I've been higher on Baker than you have been. Um, and I've been higher on Jordan Love, but Jordan Love had did have the benefit down the stretch. He really faced some soft defenses down the stretch that inflated his numbers. Baker Mayfield generally does not make the bonehead mistake. That's what he's done this year. He's had clean games at Tampa Bay. And we talk about, you know, you say, yo, this is a team that has playoff experience and just a couple years removed from winning a Super Bowl, but there's no Tom Brady. Last year's Tom Brady stats and this year's Baker Mayfield stats, TC, they're almost identical. Okay, Baker actually is a little bit better with the touchdown to interception ratio. Um, so I, I give him more credit, and I, I said it to you, you know, a couple different times on the show, and I'll, I'll bring it up again. Baker Mayfield has never had any continuity in his professional QB life. He's either had a new head coach or a new offensive coordinator that entire time that he was at Cleveland. Then when he went to Carolina, again, now you got a new team, new offensive coordinator, you're doing things all over again, and they pulled the plug on that experiment very quickly. If you remember, you know, we made the joke they put him out at the curb on trash day and the and the Rams picked him up as a insurance policy and he had to get into a couple games because of injuries last year and he had some really good games. And I think Sean McVay, that offensive mind that, that the Rams are you know, I think really helped his career and 
at Tampa, he's not the guy. I mean, he's the starting quarterback, but Tampa's game plan never is the quarterback has to put the team on his shoulders and carry them to win the game. They play a different style, and I think it's the perfect fit for Baker, and that's why they've had success this year. If we see Detroit of the first half of last week, it's going to be a different story. If we see some of the Detroit we saw in the second half, and if Tampa looks at the game film and tries to duplicate some of the things, that the, the adjustments that the Rams made at halftime, how many times have we say that? You know, it's a copycat league. You know, so now Detroit's got to figure out how to change what happened in the second half. You rarely see Mayfield come back. Like, he had 337 yards last week. You rarely see him come back with with great efforts like that. And he's not a big yardage type of guy. I think, I believe you made the point when we were handicapping Monday night's game here on Monday's show about, you know, the dink and dunk variety, how many completions he's had, but for very little yards. I mean, you go, I think you said it, you know, against Carolina, he was 20 for 32 for 137 yards. You go back to the game against the Saints, 22 completions. Uh, you know, he had over 300 there, but, uh, against Atlanta, 14 for 29. A horrendous completion percentage, under 50% for 144 yards. They've been the benefactors of a soft schedule. 202 yards, 14 for 29 against the, the Panthers. And it, I, I just, I just don't think that he is consistent enough for, for me to bank on him. And I think that's, that's the situation that uh, scares me. Again, he, he's, he's not going to be a guy that is going to put up 300 plus yards, you know, week in and week out. When he does it one week, he does not come back and do it. And plus, remember, he was hurt going into that game last week. He got nicked up again. He was holding his ribs and everything. So I don't know. It's, it, it's a game where if you're going to take Tampa Bay, Take your six and a half, buy it up to seven to protect yourself, play it on a teaser, maybe you can feel good. But again, offensively, this is, they are two different teams here. Uh, I got a lot more faith in Detroit offensively, especially at home on the carpet indoors, uh, compared to Tampa Bay. Detroit plays indoors? Yeah, did you hear that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> We've had a lot of fun with that this week. <laughs> All right, when we come back, the maestro is going to join us, the one and only Jay Cornegay. We'll talk about where these lines sit right now, where it's been moving, where it's been shaken, what we expect uh, to happen here over the weekend. A lot of NFL Divisional Round playoff talk here today as we continue on. T.C. Martin Show live from the Superbook inside the Westgate Las Vegas. Sacramento Sports Hall of Fame celebration is back Sunday, February 4th at Thunder Valley Casino. Meet and greet the class of 2024. Matt Barnes, James Donaldson, Leon Lee, and Jamie Whitmore. Don't miss Sacramento's best sports night of the year. Food served between 6 and 7 p.m. Live entertainment with comedian Dennis Caxiola. Get your tickets now at Ticketmaster.com for the Sacramento Sports Hall of Fame celebration Sunday night, February 4th. All info, go to SacSportsHOF.com. I got something for you. Here's the man, the myth, the oracle has spoken, the mouth. You hear me talking? T.C. Martin. It's a football Friday. Feeling good, feeling fine here at the Westgate Las Vegas inside the Superbook. No better place to come and watch the games here over the weekend or weekdays. It doesn't matter. Of course, here at the food court, fantastic options as well, as we well know. Marco and I. Big advocates of the Philly cheesesteak and, and ne- everything else, really. And you never have to worry about weather conditions inside the Superbook. Yeah, you never do. <laughs> and come here, you come here in a t-shirt and shorts. 
Jay Cor- uh, fine. I mean, we're, 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 we're talking enough about it. Yes. Let's go to the press conference in Tampa. Todd Bowles and uh, the reporter has a very, very important question to Todd Bowles regarding the matchup with the Buccaneers and the Lions in Detroit. Coach, uh, looking forward towards um, Detroit. Um, the weather has been a factor in some of the playoff games, even for the most prepared teams. Uh, today it's uh, 13 in uh, Detroit, which doesn't compare to some of the temperatures we tend to talk to. Any special plans to acclimate the team to not only uh, endure, but perform in those kind of frigid temperatures should you face them in Detroit? You do know we play indoors, right? And they got a dome. <laughs> I don't know. Um, no, nothing planned. We're, we're indoors, and we only have to be outside for 20 seconds getting off the bus, going under the thing, so we'll be okay. There it is. <laughs> Didn't he say something about, well, from the bus yeah. to the building or something? Right, yeah. 20 seconds. Yeah. We'll yeah. be outside for 20 seconds. Yeah, okay. Yeah. yeah. He he handled it very well. He did. Yeah, yeah. I he thought did. He, it Come was on. all teed up for him, and he could have just pounced, but... Uh, I thought he showed a lot of class there. He did. Yeah. And he probably felt sorry for her. I, I feel sorry for her for asking that question as well, too. But there are people in the media like that that do not follow sports, believe it or not. They get credentialed and follow a team, and they could be some online publication or something else, mm-hmm. a, a blogger, who knows what. Or maybe someone who's not even in the sports department because a lot of times TV stations will send somebody you know, from maybe the weather department <laughs> <laughs> or or some other department, you know, or an anchor or something. I don't know. Can, can you guys remember? Okay, one at a time. We'll start with okay. TC. All right. Uh, all right. Let's go. What was the dumbest question you've ever asked somebody on air? Okay, on a show. Can you remember or is it there's too many of them? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I don't know off the top of my head. Know, about, to, uh, yeah. Now, I remember one of my most embarrassing moments. Definitely one of my most embarrassing moments that I had interviewing somebody. But as far as question, um, I'd have to really give that some thought. I'm, I'm sure. Again, I know there are some. Yeah, I, I, you know, Marco definitely. never really interviews anybody, so I don't know. Marco, Marco's the interviewee. Well, yeah, I, I've done a couple times. I've you know when talking about a game and breaking down, and I'm saying a player or something, I'll think of somebody and I associate that player with the previous team that he was with, right. not the current team. And I yeah. made that mistake a couple times, yeah. but nothing that. Nothing to this to <laughs> that extent. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. And now because of social media, okay, yeah. that's not just you know it happened and it blows up. That file was shared all yeah. over social yeah. media for mm-hmm. the last forty-eight hours, and <laughs> she's never going to live that down. I mean, that's the sad part. Mm-hmm. Everybody's going to joke about that with her. Yeah. <laughs> that's great. <laughs> Oh, it was classic. Um, We're yeah, gonna... I, I, I can't remember the dumbest question, but I have probably given some dumb answers, you know, over the years. Yeah. I now you want to think, I and can't... I feel I know there's something that I, I was totally a dumb wrong. question that so, I've asked, yeah. and uh, um, I, I've actually seen. Uh, I'll share a story with you. Yeah. Um, back in Green Bay, there was a guy who was actually he was from here. Actually worked in the media here, and I knew him. For his time here, he worked with Channel 3, and then he got a job in Green Bay as a, as a sports anchor and sports director uh, in, in Green Bay at the Fox affiliate there. 
and it was um, one of the Packers uh, preseason games. So he's on the field uh, interviewing this running back. And uh, I said, boy, you know, you know, what a, what, what a great game you had, uh, you know, today. Um, uh, we're sitting here with, uh, with Amon Green. And Amon, uh, tell us what you thought of, uh, you know, you, you know your, your day today, blah, blah, blah. And the guy, like, kind of just goes with it for a while, this and that, blah, 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 this and that, blah, blah, blah. And then finally he goes, um, my name is Whisper Goodman. <laughs> uh, Amon's over there. <laughs> Isn't there that one guy, that celebrity reporter from England, that does he does a lot of? Didn't he like mistake like somebody for? And I don't know how you could do this, but Shaq or somebody. Yeah. Remember, yeah. there was something yeah. along those lines. Yeah. I think that happened during the F one race that he totally took this guy and he missed, and, and totally blew the interview by. I I think it was. I can't remember. I think it was a basketball player. Okay. That he thought he was an interviewer. Yeah, that sounds familiar. That and sounds it, and familiar. He was totally off. Yeah, yeah. that sounds familiar. It was, it was fantastic. Mm. Yeah, good stuff. I, I didn't know we were ripping on our media uh, folks here during <laughs> yeah. this segment. That's that's yeah. okay. Jay Cornegay is all dressed up today. It was beautiful. Mm. I mean, you're in front of the cameras today and everything. It must be just definitely from the top up because now he's got his Golden Knights like ankle socks on as well too. <laughs> so, that's awesome. Yeah. You look I, good, pink, by the way. Too. Uh, yeah, thanks. Yeah, right. uh, we, check presentation, today, right? Today, yeah, we're giving some cash away today. Uh, okay, we hold on. Two- I, for, I forgot to text you. That's T C M A R T I N. Accent on the T. <laughs> yes, uh, I, I think, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hey, I finished sixty seventh. Do I get something? Yeah. Congrats, <laughs> Attaboy. boy. <laughs> <laughs> damn, two and three weeks down the stretch. Four. Anyway, oh, yeah. Go ahead. Couple of guys. Um, our super contest winner is from, I think Seattle. Seattle, yeah, yeah. Um, and the super contest gold winner, which is four hundred sixty thousand, yeah. uh, is from Arkansas. Wow, Hot Springs, Arkansas. You gonna do a little suey pig? <laughs> you should do a suey pig. I don't you know pre- how to do. It. Oh, Chuck, you ready? Let's do the suey pig, and so Jay can uh, be educated here. So, you know, because you'll win this guy over. Maybe he no, might not no. take the whole four sixty. He might give you a sixty thousand dollars tip uh, for doing yeah. this. Yeah, yeah. There you go. Good luck with that. <laughs> yeah, Numchuck, hit me. Come on, baby. Let's go. <laughs> pig suey. <laughs> pig suey. Now bring it home. There it is. Gotta bring it home. Bring it home, baby. Pig, suey, razor bats. That's how it's so done. three times. Yeah, and then the yes, they bring it yeah, home. Bring it home yeah. for the third time. I remember when we went to see the Sugar Bowl, and uh, Arkansas was playing. I can't remember Virginia Tech or someone like that. Um, maybe it's Ohio State. I'm not sure, but anyway, they kept on saying that cheer. <laughs> It's not, along with Ohio State, say O H I. You sure it's not the Ohio yeah. players? Because they have a song. Like, the, the. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean the cheers. It, you know what? I give it to them because they all get into it. Mm. You know, I went to CSU and we have very little fan participation. Very li- C S. Li- no, our cheer is which I hate this Uh-oh. cheer. Uh-oh. Okay, I'm proud to be. 
a CSU Ram. Yes, I am proud to be. <laughs> it feels like it's an elementary school type of maybe middle school cheer. Um, and, of course, the Boulderites, CU buffs, always make fun of us and mock us like, it sucks. <laughs> We're such an easy target. Oh, wow. gosh. What Gross. do you think about the Rams uh, tonight oh. against UNLV? Seven? You know, I was really impressed by how the Rebels reacted to that horrible defeat. Bad call. A couple of bad calls that went against them. The way they came out against Boise and just took the bull by the horns. Yeah. I was really impressed. Did you guys see? I, I, I never saw Coach Kruger get that upset but he got really upset with thomas did you see that play i did see he that grabbed, when he, he yeah, grabbed, the, his, grabbed before his jersey the, the timeout really, yeah 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 do you, I, was it because of the bad shot i think it was a, the bad shot it might have something to do with uh, the defensive end as well too it was something like that because okay. he was really harping on the defensive side of the ball about listen and they held them to uh under 30 percent from three mm-hmm. it was like uh, 20 25 22 percent from three and so i think you know it might have been something with that. But, yeah, he got in his grill. Yeah, he did. Yeah. And I was really impressed by he did that. Mm-hmm. They they went through the timeout, and they kept him in the game. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. I mean, they needed him. But he's like, he made a point. Like, you didn't do what you were supposed to do. Right. But you know what? I'm keeping you in the game. So, yeah. good for Kruger because I thought he was a little softy um, maybe the first year or so. Um, but uh, he's was, got some fire really, in him. He does. I was yeah. really happy yeah. to see that because they need that. They, yeah. they need that when they're not performing or not doing what they're supposed to be doing. You got to get in their grill a bit. But you know what? It's under the bridge, and we move forward and you know get better. So anyway, seven mm-hmm. seems like a lot because uh, CSU hasn't been playing very well. Mm-hmm. They played uh, they played Utah State tough, but they laid down against Boise and they didn't show up against Air Force. And I know Air Force is, Air Force is really. I mean, they're not that good. At they're all. not good, and you, yeah. they took them to overtime on their home floor. Yeah, you know? yeah. So, so yeah, yeah. That and they're very, very fortunate mm-hmm. to to get to overtime, and then overtime they they kind of took control of it. But the whole game they were trailing, and they were able to tie it up with just a few seconds to go to put it into overtime. So I don't know the way the way the Rebels played. Um, I was just. I was just, first of all, I was really happy to see that. I, I was just very impressed. But um, I would think CSU is going to show up tonight a little bit. It's going to be. It's a big number, though. Yeah. Like you said, CSU Listen, uh, 7. That over, is a big number. Over the Rebels. I actually played CSU. Yeah. yeah I, I, I knew I, you would. It, it's a bit, uh, to me, it's a horrible spot for UNLV. Yeah. Third big game in seven-day period for them. You know, the, I, this is a, I'm, I'm impressed, like you guys said, to come back. After having a game stolen from them, let's totally. be honest. Okay, totally. and a lot of teams would not bounce back from that, and they did against Boise. Whether it was the great UNLV defense or Boise, just had a horrible night shooting. I mean, yeah. They only shot thirty nine percent for the game. Right, um, that's not going to happen in in Colorado State. Colorado State for the season shoots over fifty yeah. percent from the floor. And it's like fifty-two or fifty-three percent at home, and they can hit, and they hit the uh, the three at an alarming rate at home. I this is one of those games that I think UNLV might hang around for a little bit, but I think in the second half they pull away. The only thing that concerns me with Colorado State when you're protecting a lead at the end of the game, they 
are not good foul shooting. Yeah. That's a, that's a concern for me. CSU, yeah. Oh, uh, they were at the beginning, but the last few games right. they haven't been. But they are a very good shooting team, and I'm really surprised at that because if you look at their first handful of games, they were really good from the free throw line, and all of a sudden now that's gone out the window. I don't understand what's going on there. But did you? Uh, was it six and a half or seven? It was six and a half for a brief moment, and it okay. was seven. So okay. I, I got it at seven. I missed the six and a half. When uh, Kevin Kruger was on the show yesterday, he was talking about Isaiah Stevens, and he said he's going to be in the NBA next year, and he's really uh, fearful of, of what he can do. He's one of the best guards, if not the best guard in the Mountain West Conference, so we'll see what they do with that. Dedon Thomas, who's a freshman, you know, again, that second generation, his dad played at UNLV. Uh, he'll probably, you know, you know, get that assignment. But it'll be interesting to see maybe if they even put Rob Whaley on him. Well, Whaley's been fantastic. Uh, junior college, you know, transfer who had a career high 18 points and he's just playing ferocious. So, uh, you know if he's going to show up tonight. If you're thinking they're going to lay down or whatever, they may be a little cold shooting maybe. That would may hinder them. I don't know. But uh, as Kevin said yesterday, and I believe him, uh, they, they really they put that thing to bed against Utah State. They focused. They were ready to play. You could just see how locked in they were. And I think that's going to carry over to tonight as well, too. It's we'll hard see. to play back to back on the on the road yeah. in conference yeah. play. Yeah. That's you know me. I'm yeah. a conference. I love conference play in basketball, and, and those are the kind of things I look at. You get the win on the first leg of a you yeah. know your two road games. The, the one thing is you got a real short trip. You know, as Jay knows from Boise to to Fort Collins. Fort Collins. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure you've made that trip a million times. By the way, too. And then you got a day <laughs> in between to rest and everything. So. It's not like you're going from, you know, West Virginia to not big Syracuse. Tw- big 12 conference yeah, where you, yeah, you get yeah. teams out there right. or, or, or the Big Ten. Or, yeah, or yeah. the ACC. We go to Rutgers. Things too. I, yeah. I think they still fly into Denver. So yeah. Boise to Denver, and then they take the hour trip up north yeah. from Denver to uh, Fort Collins. But uh, I agree with Marco. It's a, it's a really bad spot for yeah. UNLV. But just the way the – both teams have played. It's, it's hard to envision, you know, CSU playing a lot better because they really have struggled the last two and a half games. And, you know, what what the Rebels did against Utah State, which, again, um, coming back from that, I give them a lot of credit. But here's the problem. CSU has no size. Right. There's, there's nothing in the paint down there. And Whaley and company of Boone and those guys can really take advantage of – you know, that weakness, because I feel like CSU outside of uh, Carter is all like two and threes. Mm-hmm. You know, they have the point. You right. know, Stevens is fantastic, but they're all two and three guys, uh, and they don't just they don't have a lot underneath. Mm-hmm. And uh, if if UNLV can pound it underneath, like Whaley, Whaley just, <laughs> he just bulldozed himself. He's a beast. I mean, he gets around that board. If he gets anywhere near that rim. He's very, very difficult to, to stop, but I was glad to see that because uh, we haven't seen that in a while for the Rebels. You know, a lot of strength underneath, right. and he certainly brings it. You got it. All right, Colorado State hosting UNLV tonight. Okay, uh, that game on uh, FS1, you want to watch it. So let's talk a little bit about uh, the line movement, Jay, in the four games. It's divisional round. Uh, I really like the favorites in all of these games. How much dog money are you seeing, if any, on on these teams right now? I, I imagine you're going to get Kansas City money, and let's let's start with that because you open the line at two and a half. Talk a little bit about 
where that's at now and what kind of action are you seeing and, and why two and a half, not three? Well, I mean, that's obviously the, the, the game that seems to be the closest when you look at the two teams. Um, Bills are really banged up. They, they lost two cornerbacks. They lost two linebackers. And they might get a couple of them back. I'm not sure if they're going to be 100%. But their backups did play okay. Um, so we'll have to see there. Um, I think the Bills emotionally are just going to be so fired up for this game. And I think their defense will hold it, you know, be able to keep this one close. Uh, I'm just curious to see if those injuries allow Mahomes to dink and doink all the way down the field. You know, that's that's going to be the big question mark. Um, pretty even action on this, all these games, really, uh, except for, well, a little bit on the Lions, a little bit more on them. That's to be expected. I don't think we're going to write too much Tampa Bay money. And then um, the Packers have actually received some attention from the, the betters, and, and I can understand that after coming off a huge win, a very impressive win. But it is the 49ers. It is in San Francisco. I would expect by the time we get to that game and that kickoff, we'll see more San Francisco money. But the only dog money that we've seen so far is really that stands out would probably be the Packers Mm -hmm. and a little bit, you know, on the Chiefs. But uh, I would call that a balanced game at this point. All right. You got Baltimore, uh, a nine and a half point favorite, just like San Francisco. You know, Houston, again, very impressive against a Cleveland team that was banged up. And of course, Joe Flacco, uh, became the old Joe Flacco in that game. And it just seems like when you get these, uh, underdog teams, uh, you know, that, win and win big and then they come and now they got to face uh the number one team who's well rested uh again baltimore's defense and san francisco's defense are just ferocious uh you know one is number one in 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 points against another is is right up there in several other categories and uh, giving up uh, the fewest yards so I just think it's going to be tough sledding for both Green Bay and Houston. And as we know, it is tough to duplicate those type of efforts that we've seen from those teams that pulled the upsets last week. And let's throw Tampa Bay into that mix as well, too. Yeah, Tampa Bay, I feel, um, got a pass last yeah. week. Yeah. They, they were able <laughs> they got to buy. They, yeah, they got to <laughs> play a team that was probably the least motivated team I've seen in the playoffs in a long time. Certainly the – the least motivated team last weekend. So the Bucks got a pass in my eyes. Now they go into Detroit and play them probably the most motivated team out there. Very inspired, very focused, and on their home ice there, I think that to endorse. Okay. <laughs> Long sport. <laughs> I, I did that on purpose. Yeah, but sure okay, yeah. okay. I think you're going to say, yes. Coming up next that, is home court. I mean, I like... I kind of like the the Lions a little bit there because of that. I don't think too much of the Buccaneers. I certainly they're not going to have any running game whatsoever. They never have all season long, and Detroit won't let you run on them anyway. So it's all going to be up to May, Mayfield, and I just think they're going to be in his face and create a couple of turnovers. And then the other one, I do like the Ravens. I think the Ravens are just so good. I I mean, tip the cap to the Texans and. I just don't think they can do it on the road. Right. They're very young. They had their day, but they're going to meet their match uh, on Sunday. The other two games, I could see the dogs, you know, popping up in you know Kansas City winning. I can see 
Green Bay, and this is probably where we disagree. I think Green Bay could possibly keep it somewhat close, mm-hmm. or maybe in cover, you know, on a backdoor, uh, in a backdoor way. Um, so, but we'll, you know, we're going to get one big upset. I, th- we should get one big upset, or we're going to be in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the money line parlor. Jay, going back to the Detroit Tampa Bay game. Just everything that you said, that's the general narrative on that game. And everybody that I talked to, you know, Tampa Bay got the free pass and everything else. But yet, all across the strip, everybody's at six and a half. We haven't seen that seven. Mm-hmm. Do Are you getting any resistance? Are you getting any sharp money on Tampa that's not pushing this to seven? Because I don't know anybody that's telling me other than I like Tampa. and <laughs> I haven't bet it yet. I'm right. waiting for that seven. Yeah, yeah we're... Uh... I would like to go to seven, <laughs> but we're just waiting to see because it hasn't been a lot of money on the lines yet, you know, so it hasn't really pushed us to seven. It's not that we've seen money on Tampa Bay. We just haven't seen as much money on the lines as we expected. It certainly has more tickets right now than the Buccaneers. It certainly has more money, but not a lot to go to seven. So I, I think that we will see sevens. I think we got plenty of time, right? It's a... Uh, is that Sunday. Sunday morning? Sunday morning, yeah. yeah. Sunday, Sunday noon, noon, actually, yeah. yeah. Right. And uh, by the time we get there, I definitely think we're going to see sevens uh, throughout. Mm. But, um, you know, I'm not right all the time. <laughs> you, uh, we have to give this guy some credit. The, the local uh, review journal content. That's you, right. Oh, boy. You, you've, you've done pretty good there. I, Let's hear it. we haven't heard Round about the, all, these, all these winners here. You're not sharing them here. Yeah. you got to get him in on the best bets. I, I offered him the best bets from the beginning, but you know we felt uh-huh. a little conflict of interest. He is the sports book director, uh, but okay. but yeah, how's that work? Where you can partake in you know a review journal, I guess against other bookmakers, but you can't be best. You can't. You probably could do best bets with us. I do best bets for a review review journal, but yeah. I've been doing them for twenty years and no one said a word. Yeah. <laughs> It's like I have, listen. It's a ridiculous season, seventy percent or whatever. Yeah. But it's just come on, man. Don't downplay it. Just, it. it Say so yeah. I mean, I'm yeah. bad. I go yeah, next year. I'll be fifty percent, just like everybody else. I know. <laughs> it's true. That's the way it was. Yeah, that's the way I was with our best bets last year. Was I was like un- under five hundred, yeah. and you uh, you got me like by ten games last year. <laughs> And then wow. we flipped it this year. You know, okay. I don't got you by ten. Okay. I, I think I got you by four. But you know, you did a good account of yourself. You know, this is a guy who tells me you know, nobody. You know, it's not a contest. It's not, not a contest. contest. Yeah. But he knows he knows how many he has me by. <laughs> the only reason I know this because on the air he goes, "I want to make a bet." You know, we're doing food bets all the time. He goes, "I want to do uh, best college record at the uh-huh. end of the season, best NFL record, and best overall record." I want three food bets with you. I'm going like, okay. <laughs> so he's the one that brought it up. Hey, I put my money where my mouth is. So okay, and it's going to be going right in my mouth. I love it. <laughs> So, oh, you guys are doing your best bets at three thirty, right? Yes. Okay, so you yeah. can't give it up right now. Yeah, you can. You can. You can give us a best sure. bet. Absolutely. No, I'm not gonna. You want my best bet? Yeah. Yeah. If you want. Yeah. We're doing two this week. Ravens. What do you got? I'll take the Ravens. Ravens. Anybody else? What's your second? Was this we, plural? We do two. We do two. Oh, we do. We're doing two. Okay. Well, then the others would be the Lions. There it is. Right. Write it down. All the morning lines. All right. Yep. Well, we'll let you go. Um, you know, go get all suited up for, in front of the uh, cameras yeah. there. See the winners over there right now. Yeah. Got a wheelbarrow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Where's Mattress Mac? He come in with a wheelbarrow. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
Has anybody asked to be paid in cash? Uh, there has been over really? the years, yeah. And do you oblige or do you say, oh, that's going to be, uh, we're taking 8%? Yeah, we have to, well, no. percent <laughs> <laughs> No, no, it's, um, how's that work? It's, uh, they just have to give us a heads up, you know, so mm-hmm. like uh, we just, you know, have, you know, despite what most people think, it- maybe you've seen too many movies. <laughs> Okay, you just don't have a half a million dollars. In do you provide cash. the wheelbarrow, or do they got to bring their own? They got to bring their own. Okay. Yeah. But uh, yeah, we have a lot of people get um, will come in, fly in, and get like you know a, a few thousand dollars to uh, enjoy the weekend. Oh, that's nice. And then the rest in a check. Yes. Yeah. That's what most people do. Okay. My friend, I appreciate the time as always. The yes. gracious host, the one and only Jay Cornegay, the best handicapper of all. <laughs> Give him the crown from the Las Vegas Review Journal. Congratulations, my friend. Oh, thank you. There it is. What do you get for that anyway? A plaque. You, get, you do get a plaque. That's nice. No, no I think I don't. You might get I'm a, going to get a plaque. You, don't get, you get a free uh, subscription delivered uh, to your house? Yes. Uh, yeah. Work know. on that. I'll ask Todd Dewey about that one. That's right. Okay, I will. Yeah, yeah. Todd's not in circulation, yeah. so he yeah. probably has no control over that. <laughs> Appreciate you, my man. Thanks, guys. Jake Ornegay. All right, we come back. Mike Tice will join us, the head coach. Best bets. We'll break down all of the playoff games in detail, get you up to date with the injury news, and the Raiders making a head coaching announcement today. All that and more right here. Hour number two coming your way from the Superbook. Omaha! Live. You like that? You like that? In the entertainment capital of the world. Rogers. In trouble. Does he have a vintage moment in it? In the end zone. It is caught for the win. Richard Rogers with a walk-off touchdown. It's the T.C. Martin Show. Play action. Awesome time. Deep shot for Parker. to get your daily prescription from the doctor, T.C. Martin. Oh, my goodness, the legend just goes on. The doctor is now in. How you like me now? Here on a football Friday, hour number two, continuing on live from the Superbook, the world famous Westgate, Las Vegas. TC Martin, Marco D'Angelo in the house. I want to thank Jay Cornegay for joining us, the fine vice president of the Superbook, for joining us in hour number one. We're going to be breaking it down for it. All four games coming up here in hour two, plus our best bets right on the way. Trevor Manich will join us via the phone. And Trevor, now freshly off of his uh, college duties he with ESPN, so now he can concentrate uh, on the NFL. So we've got that. The best bets on the website at tcmartinshow.com, including Scott Spritzer, our other handicapper extraordinaire, our professional handicapper, along with Marco D'Angelo, Gilby the intern, and yours truly, all on the website at tcmartinshow.com. Also, Check out our interview yesterday with uh, Steve Berline. Talked to him, got his thoughts uh, with the preview. And uh, we have our preview on the homepage as well on the blog side. So check all of that out and more. All right. Uh, the news coming down. It's not official until I get that press release from the Las Vegas Raiders. But uh, everyone reporting that Antonio Pierce is the new head coach of the Las Vegas Raiders. So obviously Mark Davis listening to 
his players also, like we said, Mark Davis is going to do his due diligence. We talked about, you know, his committee and, you know, going through everything, having all those important conversations. Uh, as of right now, what we're hearing is that uh, still working out the details of Antonio Pierce's contract. And it is believed that Antonio Pierce will um, be able to now name his own staff. So look for the Raiders to basically have a major upheaval on both sides of the football, which, uh, you know, every head coach wants to bring uh, his own guys. So look for Bo Hardegree, others to probably not be retained. And again, remember, this was Josh McDaniel's staff, and someone had to coach this team when he was let go, and Antonio Pierce was was the guy, even though he was hired by McDaniels. Uh, I think that, you know, maybe in the interview process that Antonio Pierce said, hey, you know, I'm not necessarily McDaniels' disciple. I'm my guy. See what I've done before under other teams. And uh, the players obviously responded to him. Five and four, finishing this season as the interim head coach. Uh, so we'll give you some thoughts on that as well, too. And join us now. The head coach, the former head coach of the Vikings, former tight end, and uh, always great to have him here on the show. Good friend Mike Tice. What's shaking, brother? What's happening, TC? What's up? Look What's at up? You. I like your sweatshirt over there, Mark. <laughs> that very nice. Oh, I didn't you got even realize. You know, I'm, sweatshirt I'm always on. giving Marco a bad time about who uh, about who he's you know wearing and everything. So I think yeah, he's got the, the right side. sweatshirt on yeah. this week. Yeah. I see it as a Mike, dem- demolition ask, derby. Ask him what he has underneath. Oh, what do you have underneath? Nobody underneath today. Last week I had I had two shirts on last yeah. week. Yeah, I had. Steelers on top, and in the, and unfortunately the Eagles underneath. What did those two oh. teams? What did those two teams have in common last week? <laughs> They're both from the same state. That's They're both about. losers too. <laughs> <laughs> so hopefully, win one, lose one. Hopefully, this is your you know. Well, I, I was between the Forty Nine er and the Buffalo sweatshirt today. Which one I was going to wear? And I, I did this one Sunday. I'll have the Buffalo one. On. I like both of those. That's a good job, man. I'm Coach, with- let's let's talk uh, about the Antonio. Pierce uh, yeah. hiring by the Raiders. What are your thoughts? I think it's uh, wonderful. Okay. I think he did uh, an excellent job after taking over uh, a unit that was, uh, you know, not playing up to the potential of the talent. And not only that, not playing with the energy that you want to see and the passion. There was a lack of passion. So something was wrong there. And when they made the change and Antonio took over and, and being a former player and being a former player that became a coach and became a head coach, I understand the energy that Antonio probably brings into the building and the energy he brings into the meetings and on the practice field. And I'm going to pretty much guess without standing on the practice field at any point last year that uh, that is what happened. And that's why uh, Mr. Davis made the decision to, uh, well, we don't know, like you said, it's official, but that's what everybody's saying. So, um, you know, if, uh, I think it's great. I, I really do. I think he's going to do a great job. I think he's probably learned a lot. I'm sure he's going to bring in some other, uh, I'm guessing, some other mentors of his that could be on the staff. I wouldn't be surprised if you, you know, see a Marvin Lewis join the staff or somebody like that that he totally, you know, respects. But maybe not. Maybe uh, he'll go out and be his own man and just uh, ask those guys for advice from afar. You were in this exact same situation. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. With Minnesota. How important is that to have someone that you consider your mentor or at least someone that you could lean on that has that experience for a first-time head coach? 
Well, I did two things. First thing I did was reached out to Chuck Knox and uh, made sure Chuck was around as much as I could. So I brought him in for minicamp. I brought Chuck in for training camp. He was one of my great mentors in the 80s. Learned a lot from him moving from quarterback to tight end under Chuck Knox. And then I hired George O'Leary. You know, George was my high school head coach and uh, was a coach at Georgia Tech and then had the incident uh, with the resume in Notre Dame after he was hired by Notre Dame. And he was in a bad spot mentally, and I asked him if he could come and help me out. So I brought George in, and every day before he went home, George came in, and we had a one-on-one in my office. And that was very important, not to say I agreed with everything, because uh, he is a New Yorker. So, uh, <laughs> but uh, it was great having those conversations each day and learning from a guy that I absolutely trusted. Mm-hmm. You know, Antonio Pierce, how would you grade him as far as we know – He's got the ear of the locker room. He's a former player. Players resonate with him. We get that, all right? On the field, the way he ran that team in-game decisions. Well, it's like any uh, coach, especially a young coach, a new head coach, you have on your staff somebody that's going to help you with all those analytics now, with all those decisions of, uh, you know, beyond going for it on third and fourth down, or excuse me, fourth down, beyond, you know, attempting these things that we all look at nowadays and say, what? Why are they going for it on the minus 35? So he'll have somebody. The clock management thing is the big deal. Right. You know, you got to have a great understanding of the clock manager. You got to, you know, always try to save your time out. So it doesn't always work that way, mm-hmm. you know. And there's going to be a new learning curve. What's the learning curve when they lose a couple in a row? And, you know, as a former player, Antonio has earned the respect of the players because he's a former player. They know he's walked in the shoes. They respect that. Now, you've earned it. How do you keep it? You keep it with a consistent message each week, and you don't waffle back and forth after a loss between, we're going to do it like this. No, 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 no. We're going to do it like this. So I think that's a very important thing, that he stays the course in whatever direction and the, th- and the changes. And he'll make other changes. Uh, you don't want to go in, uh, and I'm sure he didn't. I can't say for sure, but I'm going to guess that he uh, didn't make wholesale changes. He made some changes. The biggest thing he brought was his personality and uh, his knowledge of defense. And, and, and then now, I'm sure in the offseason, he's going to look at everything and make beyond personnel moves mm-hmm. other changes that when the players come back, it's like, okay, this is how we're going to do it for a full season. Mm-hmm. We did it like this when I took over the ship. Right. And we, you know, semi-righted the ship, yeah. and they did a great job. And the players played hard for him. You were in this exact same situation Talk about the difference being the interim guy where, okay, I've got to take over the ship with this crew that I got. How much were you looking forward to, okay, the next season, the off season, where you could build your own staff? And and did you feel still a little bit of loyalty, even though you were just hired just like all those other guys, so they weren't your guys per se from the interim staff? How much turnover did you do? I did not do uh, a lot. Uh, I did. Uh, it was a reason I did, for that. Well, so uh, I only was the interim coach for the last game of the season. True. So right. that yeah. was a lot easier. Yeah. You know, uh, uh, Denny Green, God, God rest his soul, and and uh, Red McCombs came to a mutual agreement that Denny was leaving. There was one game left. Mm-hmm. I actually didn't think I was going to be the guy for the one game. I thought it was going to be Willie Shaw, veteran coach, uh, but. Red chose me. Okay, so 
you know, offensive line coach, uh, special team coach. Those tend to kind of be the guys that they'll pick as an interim, right? Right. Uh, so I had one game. Uh, kept a lot of the offensive guys, uh, but Brian, uh, you know, had taken some of the guys that I worked with, Billick, when he left a couple of years previous. So some of the guys on staff were newer guys, different systems. Um, I didn't have the budget that Danny Green had. So for me, I went out and raided the college ranks, hired Scott Lanahan from the University of Washington, you know, brought in, uh, you know, Chuck Knox's son as assistant special team coach, hired former players, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, hired two or three former players that had not coached before, not even in high school. So I had a shoestring budget, but it's going to be a little bit different for Antonio. He's going to have a you know, great budget in a great city uh, with great fans, uh, and he's going to have uh, great facilities. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm anxious to see how he does. I yeah. think he's going to do I'm anxious to see his moves, too. Right. I'm anxious to see. To me, I would probably say, but I could be wrong, there'll be less moves on defense and more moves on offense. Right. The big offensive question in whether it was from above or whatever, Jimmy Garoppolo did not play. They went with O'Connell the rest of the season. Is a head coach being hand? I mean, you had better quarterbacks, obviously, at Minnesota. How does he proceed in the offseason? Is O'Connell the guy? Well, you or- have to bring in an offensive guy that, that can really give you a good determination, a good evaluation. Uh, I'm not a God bless Jimmy. I'm not a Garoppolo fan. So mm-hmm. um, the young kid did a nice job. You know, do you want to go in that direction? He's building a program. I don't think they're going to expect him to go out and go to Super Bowl next year. Of course, the fans want him to, but I don't think that's reality. So I'm anxious to see the moves that he makes. And, and like I said, especially on the offensive side, he's got to find himself a good coordinator that can give him a good determination of what he has in the building. Mm-hmm. The names uh, that, that we're hearing that he may want to bring in Marvin Lewis, Tom Coughlin, Hugh Jackson. Hugh Jackson actually had a stint, a couple stints, you know, as a coach with, you know, the Browns and the NFL, Raiders as Raiders, well, too. Yeah. Exactly. So, uh, some and, veteran guys, veteran you know, guys that have great experience that he can lean on. Yeah. I.e., the George O'Leary for Mike Tice. It's uh, yeah. uh, somebody that has been down the road and can give uh, advice. It, it, you know, it's not. As you guys know, you've been following it for a long time. It's not always going to be the way you think it's going to be. And so then what do you do? And the, what's your message to the team when every one week or two weeks in a row, everything you said, none of it comes true. Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay, now what do we do? Because you can't lose the ship, you know. Yeah. You, you can't lose the ship. You can always write the ship. But, boy, once you, once you lose, start losing the ship, it's, as McDaniel found out, it's hard. They don't play. They don't play for you. Mike Tice joins us, former head coach of the Minnesota Vikings, and talking about Antonio Pierce being named the head coach of the Las Vegas Raiders. Other names were out there. Jim Harbaugh, we'll find out later if Mark Davis even had a conversation with him, but we know that Harbaugh obviously had meetings with and interviews with the Chargers uh, as well as uh, the Falcons and probably others. I always felt that, okay, you have to have those conversations. And Mark Davis took a swing and a miss, and he, and he missed with uh, Josh McDaniels. It's been an uneasy road for him, you know, guiding the Raiders and everything. And I know that he feels like, okay, i got to get this right. 
there had to be some hesitation about wanting to go with Antonio Pierce, even though that whole locker room was saying, hey, you know, give this guy a shot. He's our guy. And we got to, most of those players or a lot of those players or some of those players won't even be back. You know, so you just can't have that go in your head. You've got to do your due diligence as an owner because you feel like our time to win is now. This isn't a major rebuilding project. We've got to nail this right. How important is it for an owner to just, especially when you have veteran guys that are out there like Harbaugh or Pete Carroll or Bill Belichick that you at least have to have conversations, right? Yeah, I do think you have to listen to everybody because there yeah. might be uh, one guy you sit down with that totally blows you away right. and, and you get, uh, no pun intended, enticed by him. Right. And so... <laughs> That could happen. Uh, mm-hmm. It sounds like to me he put together a pretty good, I don't want to say committee, but I guess that it was, That's what it is, is. Yeah. of people yeah. that he's listening to and people that are asking the pertinent questions because mm-hmm. there are questions I'm sure Mr. Davis, football-wise, doesn't know what to ask. And mm-hmm. when you have people on your your committees, your staff that can ask those questions so you can hear those answers, I think that's a big a big part of it. How far can just the emotion in the locker room go when it compares to, okay, now we've got to put X's and O's. We've got to put game plans together. We've got to, you know, again, and, and where does Antonio Pierce go as far as uh, a head coach? Is he, do you think, okay, he's a defensive guy. We know that. But he was never even a coordinator before. He was a linebacker's coach. There's going to be some adjustment. He had the nine games underneath his belt here. But like I said, now he's got to run this entire operation how do you see him you know building the staff game day making those calls well from day one too he has to deal with the draft right he has to deal with mini camps he's got to deal with off-season program he's got to deal with training camps it's a little bit different than taking over for the last nine games so there's a lot there and that's why it's important for him and he's a smart guy i'm sure he's going to do it is to surround yourself with somebody that you can ask the questions of and get an answer that you feel like, okay, this is a really good answer. I like, I like what was said, but I want to ask somebody else I trust too to hear the other side of that, the why and why not. Why we hire this guy? Why don't we hire this guy? Why do we have our practices this long? And why don't we have our practice? There's a lot to putting it together. But like I said, he's just smart. He's a very prideful young man. And I think he's going to do a great job. All right. Looking at uh, the other head coaches' openings, there are several, as we know. And the two big names (coughs) who both want NFL jobs, that is Jim Harbaugh and Bill Belichick, uh, they are both in the process of having second meetings with the Atlanta Falcons. Why do you think this Falcons job is drawing attention? I don't know because the quarterback's not very good. Right. Um, well, they got two it, of them there. Know, Neither and, one are very then, good, right? And then I worked for Arthur, Mr. Blank before, right. so I don't know. <laughs> right? Right? Maybe he told them that I'll stay out of the meeting. Does he seem like a, he's not a big budget guy, is he? I don't think so. Right? I, I wonder if he's saying, all right, I'll stay out of the meetings. And then that, that would be enticing yeah. in and by itself <laughs> that he's not sitting in on all of the staff mm. meetings. But, uh, no, I think the, the city, uh, the stadium, the facilities mm. – uh, all of that, and the roster's not that bad. You know, defense is not that bad. Uh, offensive line is not that bad. Quarterback's atrocious. Right. Uh, but, you know, you got a kid from uh, Minnesota sending messages out that, you know, Belichick gets the Atlanta Falcons job. He wants to go to Atlanta, Kirk Cousins. Yeah. So, you know, you never know. Um, 
I think it'll be an interesting marriage, uh, Mr. Blank uh, and Arthur Blank and uh, and and Bill Belichick. I think that would be quite a marriage, and I'd love to see uh, you know who's going to divorce who at the end. So, if you got a choice between Harbaugh and Belichick, who are you choosing? Um, or does it really depend on the job itself and well, the personnel think, in place? I think both guys are going to go in and demand uh, a lot of say, if not mm-hmm. full authority, mm-hmm. in in drafting and trades and personnel and budgets, obviously, are part of it. But I, I think both guys are going to demand that. The question is, do you want a guy that's uh, staying and coaching so he can become the winningest coach of all time, or do you want a uh, guy that wants to prove himself in the NFL because he's already proved himself in college. Mm-hmm. And you can say that Harbaugh's I mean, proved himself cho- in the vanilla NFL. Vanilla chocolate, right? Yeah, you right, know? right. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I mean, he did a great job with 49ers. I mean, so, but uh, no Super Bowl unless I made a mistake, right? No. So that's, he, now he's, you know, it'll be. I mean, he went, but he didn't win. Be something for him yeah. to get both, right? Right, and I'm excited for this playoff uh, weekend because I'm I'm really uh, fond of the Ravens because of my friend Todd Monk who's the offense coordinator. And I said to my wife the other day, I said, Diane, wouldn't it be wonderful if both brothers won the championship?" Right. One that would be a story now, you mm-hmm. know. Yeah. One in college football and one in the NFL. Oh my God, what a story! They make a movie about it. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And we know those uh, guys have faced off against each other before, you know, in the yeah. NFL. Yeah. Uh, John seems to be the more likable guy, uh, the Jim, but uh, they're both coach. And again, you know, you're talking about second generation. You know, their dad was, was a great coach. And a lot of people don't remember that or don't think about that. But, you know, hey, he won a national championship as well, too, lower level. But he was a good, a good coach on, on the West Coast. Yeah. So it's, it's going to be fun to watch uh, these next couple of days and see yeah. how this unfolds. Yeah. All right. Hell of a story, won't it? What do you think about the Cowboys collapse and Mike McCarthy being retained by Jerry Jones? Well, I'm you know I'm a coach, and so uh, I think it's nice and fair that Jerry did something that I didn't think he'd do, and he kept Mike and gave Mike uh, you know some more time to build his program. There's some obvious flaws there, but there's also some good things, and there's also some great things. So uh, it'll be interesting to see the, t- the changes the Cowboys make. But I think at the end of the day, you know, the Cowboys have a great defense, but they're small, hmm. you know, and you can run on them. And I think people have proven that. And they're built for, you know, when they didn't get the lead in that game, I said, uh-oh, because they're built to play with the lead. Right. And there's been many teams over my tenure in the NFL, my 35 years, that were built to play with the lead. Mm-hmm. And when they didn't get the lead, it was a little bit tough. Right. You know, so I'm happy for Mike. I like Mike. I think he's done a great job. And I'm even I'm even uh, more happy for the Steelers. You know, I'm really fond of Mike. Mm-hmm. I'm happy that he's getting a chance to stay. When I was watching all the shows and they were... Uh, you know, saying it was time for him to part ways. I hit him with a little text message. He got back to me, and I'm really excited that he finished with the three wins and got in the playoffs. Mm. You know? You're the coach. What are you doing with what Mason Rudolph did at the end of the year and what Kenny Pickett did for the season? It's tough. It's a it's a tough decision, you know. Kenny Pickett has potential. They didn't have the coordinator they wanted on staff. Uh, Rudolph's an experienced guy. He's, you know, won some games and he won some games. So he got him in the playoffs. So I think that's a tough call. I, I can't give you that answer. You know, that's, that's a, that's a tough call. 
and press it, conference, he says, Kenny Pickett's QB1, yeah. but it's an open competition. But you know why he's going to say that, because that's where your money's going. Yeah. I mean, you spent a first-round pick on this guy. Yeah, they got to give him another chance. It, it, but... Do you do you have to give him another chance just because of that if it's if it's clear that you know he's had more than a year almost two years to really prove himself and we're th- not I, and we're not seeing it. I think you got to give him another chance with a good co- a better coordinator another coordinator give him a chance in a different system. Uh, you know it stinks when you, get, you you're out there changing systems every year. It makes it right. harder on these kids to play. But I'd like to see him with a different coordinator, a guy that you know been successful in the league before, not some young guy, and see what he can do. But maybe it is a young guy. Who knows? Uh, but but I think what you have with Mason is you got have proven that you can win with your backup. Right. You know. Back to Dallas, Dak Prescott. What do you think? I'm not as big a fan as my son is. Uh, my son bet him to win the MVP this year. <laughs> I, I didn't see that, but yeah. you know he did that early in yeah. whatever August. Uh, just uh, in the big moments, yeah. where where is he? Mm-hmm. In the big moments, you know, you throw an interception on a, on a slant route. I mean, yeah. what are you what are you looking at? Biggest game of the year. What are you year? looking at? Yeah, right. I mean, yeah. so. I don't know if he's the one, but we'll find out. Pete Carroll, what do you think? uh, He's done a great job. I mean, uh, I'm I'm not, uh, you know, I'm not a a guy that's going to text Pete or do anything, even though I played for the Seahawks for 10 years, but I think he's done a great job with the program. Uh, I don't know the circumstances of him leaving. Maybe it was one of those things where they said – you know, it's just not going anywhere. We need uh, we need some new blood in there, and I, and I get that. So, you know, we heard Belichick said I want to. He wants to continue to coach. We see Harbaugh, obviously. You know, when, that whole time he's going through everything in Michigan, he didn't say he was going to leave, but immediately he's taking these interviews. Obviously, you know, the writing was on the wall. It looks like he's going to be an NFL coach. He's going to leave Michigan with Pete Carroll. It wasn't the age thing like it was with Nick Saban. Saban said, okay, yeah, I just I can't do it anymore. I'm 72. Pete's the same age, and Pete just basically said that, you know, uh, I'm fine. I can still do this. So makes you think, like, okay, what happened to Seattle? But they did offer him this advisory role, and he says, he goes, yeah. He goes, I'll, I'll, I'll be the advisor. He goes, we don't know what that means right now, what it looks like. He goes, but we'll figure it out. So Pete's name really hasn't been out there. He hasn't interviewed. So that's the kind of unknown. Like, what is going on with Pete Carroll in Seattle? Does he just want to say that's enough, be an advisor? Or do you think he still, you know, wants to, to coach in the NFL and he wants to maybe be very, very picky on where he goes? Well, first off, I'm sure he's being paid well. I don't know how many years he has left on his contract, mm-hmm. and I'm going to guess that has something to do with it. I think mm-hmm. Coach Belichick only has one year left on right. his contract. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought Pete just recently, if not last year, the year before, signed an extension. So he might have enough left on his contract where he could really give a flying, mm-hmm. you know, and and – and just say, all right, I'm going to stay in Seattle. Yeah, I'll take this role, whatever it is. But then I thought immediately after that, uh, he came out and had a little uh, stinging comment back towards the Seahawks. I can't remember what it was, but it it had something to do with uh, we couldn't agree on uh, roster moves or or the roster and how we needed to upgrade the roster. And then once that, uh, and I've witnessed that multiple times in my career, once that, uh, the personnel and the head coach are, aren't on the same page, then it's over. 
mm-hmm. totally over. Right. You know? And with Pete Carroll, there, obviously there was that situation with Russell Wilson where people really didn't kind of know what was going on there. A lot of fans didn't understand it. But I think that now what transpired with Wilson in Denver where, you know, I think Pete was just kind of like taking maybe the hard stance and saying, listen, you know, you're, you're, what you're doing here, or what you want to do, or bringing these this other guys around the locker room, that doesn't fly here. Went to Denver, and we saw that didn't blow up, and Sean Payton says, that's not for us either. So maybe this all started in Seattle, and Pete Carroll kind of took a hard nose, and maybe they weren't on the same page between him and Wilson. Maybe Pete and front office weren't on the same page. Yeah, I, I'm going to pretty much guess that uh, Pete and Russell weren't on the same page. Yeah. I mean, it's... Uh, my son was a roommate with uh, Russell, my son Nate, at Wisconsin uh, when my son was a backup quarterback there, and they roomed uh, together the night before the game. So we, my family is, uh, you know, has a relationship with Russell, and uh, we love Russell. But, uh, you know, Russell got big, man. You know, Russell big got, in the head, uh, yeah, big in the pocket. Well, he's not tall, <laughs> yeah, so he, and he's not heavy, yeah. So he got big somewhere, yeah. you know. So he got, he got big, big in, in the, the mar- po- marriage department too. Yeah, he got big in the pocket, <laughs> and he got big in the head, and uh, it it didn't pay off. Yeah, and it didn't pay off in two spots. You know, they ran him out of Seattle. Yeah, and then they, you know, they're going to run him out of Denver. Mm-hmm. So. Mike Tice in the house. All right, we come back. Uh, we'll analyze all four of these games. We've got best bets on the table as well, too. Looking forward to these divisional playoff games, and uh, we'll break it all down for you here on this Football Friday Inside the Superbook of the Westgate Las Vegas. The Sacramento Sports Hall of Fame celebration is back Sunday, February 4th at Thunder Valley Casino. Meet and greet the class of 2024. Matt Barnes, James Donaldson, Leon Lee, and Jamie Whitmore. Don't miss Sacramento's best sports night of the year. Food served between 6 and 7 p.m. Live entertainment with comedian Dennis Caxiola. Get your tickets now at Ticketmaster.com for the Sacramento Sports Hall of Fame celebration Sunday night, February 4th. All info, go to SacSportsHOF.com. T.C. Martin Show. There's only one thing we know for sure. The Giants of New York took on the Packers of Green Bay. The Dr. T.C. Martin. He was a most ripping victory by kicking an oblong ball made of pigskin to a big H. The doctor is now in. Live at the Westgate Las Vegas inside the Superbook. No better place to be to watch and wager on the games. All non-smoking. The 4K video wall. Nothing like it. Be here, whether it's tonight for some NBA, some college basketball. Remember, the Rebels in action tonight against Colorado State. That game's in Fort Collins. And then two games tomorrow and then two on Sunday in the NFL Divisional Round playoff games. We're hitting all that for you and more. T.C. Martin, Marco D'Angelo, our handicapper extraordinaire, and the coach, Mike Tice, in the house here at the Superbook of the Westgate Las Vegas. Fantastic food options, as we know here as well, not only just in the food court, but the great restaurants here as well at the Westgate. All right, we'll get into our best bets here uh, uh, real soon, but let's talk about this marquee game between Kansas City and Buffalo. The Buffalo Bills have plenty of injuries. The latest on that, Gabe Davis, their wide receiver, in uh, uh, Taylor Rapp, their safety, Balen Specter, their linebacker, cornerback, uh, Christian Benford, they are all out. And uh, that is not good news for the Buffalo Bills. So you look at that, this, is, this will be the second straight game missed by Gabe Davis and Taylor Rapp. 
after they suffered injuries in the regular season finale against the Dolphins. Specter and Benford both uh, were injured in the playoff game last week against Pittsburgh. You have linebacker Tyler Dobson has a shoulder injury. Cornerback Rasul Douglas, who came over from Green Bay, has got a knee injury. They're trending towards playing in this game, so that will help. But uh, Stephon Diggs, Teron Johnson, Johnson with a concussion, Stephon Diggs with a foot injury, uh, they're listed as questionable. And uh, the Buffalo punter got hurt last week as well, too. Yeah. So they signed a, a, you know, my, uh, Matt Houck. He's there uh, to come back. But, you know, I love Buffalo in this situation. But the injuries scare me a little bit. What do you think about this, Mike? When you, when you have these type of injuries and you have a Kansas City Chiefs team that even though they're used to hosting this game, first time Patrick Mahomes will be on the road, uh, you know, uh, First time in the, in the last 16 games, so that's different. Buffalo, a tough place to play, but uh, how concerned are you about Buffalo injuries? Uh, a lot, but this time of year, it's, it's, it's the norm, and you have to, as a coach and a coaching staff, have a plan, and so far, Buffalo has had a plan, and at the end of the day, uh, you got that guy on the offensive side who has the ball in his hand every single time. Mm-hmm. He's going to be tough to beat. Uh, you know, the turnovers, though. You know, uh, Kansas City's minus 11 in the turnover ratio. And they haven't played on the road in the playoffs. They've played at, you know, in Kansas City every single time. So I think that's going to come to be a factor. But, I, you know, you got two great coaching staffs, two great, two great teams. Both have some injuries. Uh, but I think the difference could come down to the uh, Kansas City re- receiving core or lack of consistency with the receivers. All right. We've seen that problem all season A long. A lot of drops, right? All right. Best bets. It's Football Friday, and time for the weekend's action. Here's the best bets. All right. Rolling along. Our favorite part of the Friday show, of course, the best bets segment, where we give you our two best games of the weekend. We're going to let down a little bit. Normally three, but two this week with the four games are two best bets. Mike Tice, the head coach, he's going to join us. Marco D'Angelo in the house. And Trevor Maddich. There he is. Trevor take, uh, has taken a deep breath and exhale after his uh, marathon college football season. Now we dive into the NFL. Trev, how you doing, brother? I'm doing good, TC. I'm doing good. All right. The season's running down, man. College was great. Can't wait to see what happens at the end of the NFL season. All right, brother, let's go. You've been hitting it good here in the best bets of late, so kick us off here and start us off. Your two best best bets of the divisional round. All right, well, Tampa Bay is uh, getting six and a half at Detroit. And I'm holding my nose on this one, and I'm taking Tampa Bay and the points. The reason I'm holding my nose is that for Tampa, even though they've won six of their last seven, this is a big step up in competition. They've played some pretty bad appointments in the last, or opponents over the last couple of months. And they've done well against them, but Detroit is a lot better. The reason I like them plus the points in this game is not that I think they'll win. I think Detroit wins this game. I think that Tampa can keep it close for two reasons. One is that the uh, Tampa offense is one of the best in the league on third and fourth down. The Detroit defense is one of the worst in the league on third and fourth down. That's one of the reasons. The other reason is the Detroit passing defense. Once again, they don't have to keep up with the Lions uh, altogether. 
what they have to do is keep the chains moving and score enough to keep it within six and a half. And the Rams last week in the playoff game against the Lions actually moved the ball up and down the will, up and down the field at will. They had over 400 yards total offense, 22 first downs. The problem with the Rams and their one point loss to the Lions last week was that they were 0 for 3 in the red zone. They lost by one point. And that's funny because the Lions are one of the worst red zone defenses in the NFL. So give the Lions credit for stopping the Rams when they had to. But I think Tampa is going to be able to do a lot of a lot of things against that passing defense. The other thing I want to pay attention to in terms of the Tampa passing offense against the Lions pass defense is that what Detroit has tried to do over the last month or so has been to make up for a really porous secondary by bracketing number one receivers. They've given up a lot of yards to number two receivers. Well, Mike Evans is the guy they'll have to pay attention to then from Tampa's offense in terms of receivers. But Chris Godwin and Trey Palmer are guys that I expect to have big games. So I think that Detroit wins, but I like Tampa to cover. And then the Chiefs are getting three points at Buffalo. I know that Buffalo beat the Chiefs in Kansas City earlier in the season. I understand that the Chiefs receiving core has been dropping balls like crazy, although I, I don't really count that against them last week against the Dolphins because of the weather conditions. The, the weather will be a balmy, what, in the 20s in Buffalo, I think, so it, it won't be like it was in Kansas City when it was around zero, wind chill around minus 20. Uh, I think that the Chiefs receivers are going to be better. And that's going to be important because, TC, you mentioned the injuries on the Bills' defense. If this were uh, both teams healthy, I would definitely take the Chiefs and lay the or excuse me, the Bills and lay the points on this one. But because there are so many injuries for Buffalo, really concentrated in the secondary, I think that Patrick Mahomes will be able to find good matchups. And Rasheed Rice, his young receiver, has actually been stepping up in key moments down the stretch, including last week against Miami in that frigid wind chill. And so I think that the, the key to this game will be a relatively healthy Kansas City defense, a relatively banged up and depleted Buffalo defense. Both quarterbacks, outstanding. I'll take Mahomes against the depleted defense, so I'll take the Chiefs plus three. All right, Trevor's best two. He's uh, taking the dogs here, plus six and a half in Tampa Bay and plus two and a half with the Chiefs. Mike Tice, what do you got? Well, sorry, Trev. First thing I'm going to do is go against you, and I'm going to take the Detroit Lions on the field turf. I think there's too much speed there for Tampa Bay. They're a grass team. Uh, Detroit can run the football on anybody, averaging almost 136 yards a game. Of course, Tampa doesn't give up a whole hell of a lot of yards rushing, but as you said, Trevor, they haven't faced anybody like Detroit. I think Detroit has too many weapons. I'm going to take Detroit at home, and I'm going to take them to cover. And then there's the beatdown game. I, the 49ers, to me, just look too strong for uh, Green Bay. Yeah, Green Bay looked good last week against the Philadelphia team that's not playing for their coaching staff. Uh, I don't know how that Green Bay defense, who has really struggled all year, is going to keep up with an offense that averages almost 400 yards a game in the 49ers. Plus, you got the turnover differential, plus 10 for the 49ers, zero for Green Bay. Uh, Great job by Green Bay getting into this game, but I think it's going to be a beatdown. All right, Mike Tice on the Lions and on the 49ers. Marco D'Angelo, what you got? 
I'm on the 49ers with you, Mike. This is a game, great game for Green Bay last week. Take nothing away from them. I've been a fan of Jordan Love uh, before everybody else has been jumping on the bandwagon lately. But I'm also going to point out, as good as he was in the second half of the season, and you look down the stretch, played some horrible teams, played the Giants, did play Tampa Bay. They lost that game. Played Carolina, played Minnesota, who was banged up at the end of the season and shuffling quarterbacks left and right, uh, Chicago, and then, of course, the Dallas game. Also point out, this is going to be their fourth road game in five weeks for Green Bay. It's going to take its toll, and they're not going against the Dallas defense that I don't know what they were doing last week. They're facing the number three defense in points per game allowed and the number eight defense in yards per play allowed, and You've got San Francisco that's a balanced team offensively, can run the football down your throat, can throw the football. I don't mind laying points with a big favorite. You always got to worry about the back door. But when you have a team that can run the football as well as the 49ers, when you're in the fourth quarter trying to protect the lead, you're doing something that you do well. You can actually extend the lead. I'm taking the 49ers. I'm laying the points. And here's a little stat for you guys. In the playoffs, when you pick the winner of the game, that didn't work out for me with the Lions last week, is they won and didn't cover. But the winner of the game, whether they're the dog or the favorite, covers the spread 82.7% of the time. That's since 2015. For the second one, Mike, I agreed with you on the first one, but we're bucking heads on the second one. I'm taking Tampa Bay. I'm going with my man. It sounds like a food bet. I I, I already owe two dinners. (laughs) (laughs) Going with Tampa Bay here, and I love Detroit, and I was with them last week, and they let me down not getting a win. But as I told TC, I know it's a playoff game, but I am worried that the Lions – after that emotional win last week, the first win in 32 years, you got people crying in the stands. You got a Jared Goff that played the game of his life, not statistically, emotionally, beating the team that gave up on him. I'm just worried they're going to be a little bit flat. And Tampa Bay is one of those teams that they're a nuisance. They're like a fly at a picnic. You keep swatting at them. They're good. They want you to play ugly. TC, we talked earlier about Air Force and college basketball. They have a way of getting you into their style of play. And I think that's what Tampa Bay is going to do here. I'm taking the points. I'm, for the contest, I only got six and a half. But you heard me tell Jay, I'm waiting until Monday or Sunday, right before kickoff. This thing will get to seven. I'm taking Tampa. It's not a contest. <laughs> this isn't a Seinfeld episode. <laughs> You made it a contest (laughs) for entertainment purposes only. All right, guys. Uh, I love San Francisco in this spot. Love San Francisco. San Francisco is the top defense right there with Baltimore. And I love defense, and I love rested teams that have defenses in this situation. Okay? I talked about it all week. Green Bay were the benefactors of a Dan Quinn defense where he made a mistake last week going zone coverage, and Jordan Love uh, found open receivers all over the yard there. 
in Texas. Made no sense because he went away from exactly what Dallas defense normally does with their press and their man-to-man coverage. That's not going to happen with San Francisco because that's not who San Francisco is. San Francisco is ferocious on the defensive side of the ball. They got pressure up there. They got linebackers. They got cover guys. And Jordan Love is going to look silly this week. Anytime a team gets wins as an underdog and they win by more than two touchdowns, they get drill pressed the week after. That's three teams in this in this case. You got Houston in that situation. You got the Packers in this situation. You got Tampa Bay in this situation. Wouldn't surprise me if all teams get blown out in this one. This is a favorites weekend. This is a favorites divisional round, especially when you're talking about a team like San Francisco. I'll throw Baltimore in there as well, too. But I love San Francisco the most here. And laying nine and a half points, I'm not worried about it. Because Jordan Love, I'm still not sold on Jordan Love. Haven't been when he was at Utah State. Hasn't been with uh, as a backup with Green Bay behind Aaron Rodgers. And definitely not just because he has the keys to the car right now. Because I remember those games when he faced the New York Giants and looked terrible. Even the last week of the regular season in Lambeau against the Bears, he didn't look that good. And they had to win that game just to get in the postseason. And same thing against Carolina. In that 33-30 to game, are you kidding me? And then the Tampa Bay game that you've mentioned, Marco. No, not sold on Jordan Love, especially against the Niners. No, he's going to get his lunch taken to him this game. This has got blowout written all over it. Not worried about laying 9.5. Love the Niners. And let me add one more goodie for you guys here. All right? San Francisco 49ers with rest. Let me tell you what they did. Week one, they blew out the Pittsburgh Steelers 30-7. to Coming off their bye week, what'd they do? Beat Jacksonville 34-3 on the road. Both those games are on the road. And then Philadelphia, what'd they do after they played on a Thursday night? They had that extra rest, 42-13 on the road. Sure, there was a little revenge factor. And speaking of revenge, this isn't a revenge game, but the Niners remember how they exited the playoffs last year with Brock Purdy getting injured. It was embarrassing for San Francisco. They thought they were going to the Super Bowl. That offensive line will protect Purdy, not only in this game, but the rest of the games. I like 49ers all the way to Las Vegas here. So it starts this weekend. My second game here, I'm going to go with Buffalo. I just I understand the injuries and everything here, but Buffalo, it is their time. And here's the thing about Buffalo. They've beaten Kansas City before, okay? They haven't beaten them in the playoffs. They've beaten them in the regular season, so they're not afraid of them whatsoever. This is the first time that Kansas City has gone on the road in Patrick Mahomes, what, 16 times? Okay, 15 times prior. Now they have to go on the road. Yeah, it makes a big difference, especially when this Kansas City Chiefs team is not the same team that they've been in years past. Hence, that's why they're going on the road here. And what really uh, circles this game with Buffalo for me. I get the injuries, but I think if Douglas comes back and some of these other defensive pieces come back, they're going to be okay. Kansas City in the red zone is awful. They have been downright ugly and awful against a beat-up Miami team that was missing six starters on the defensive side of the ball. They still had to settle for field goals last week on their home field against a team that couldn't win a game in December. Well, they beat Washington the very first week, but they didn't win since. I'm talking about the Miami Dolphins. So great spot last week for Kansas City. We are on them. I was on them. You were on them, Mike. We are all on them. But this week, this is a dead go against. Buffalo laying two and a half. This is their time. This is their motivation. This is the revenge time because they've lost to Kansas City and two heartbreakers in Kansas City in the postseason. We remember two years ago, right? 42-36. 
when they gave the game away, they couldn't cover Travis Kelsey. That's not going to happen again where Kansas City goes down and scores the final 13 seconds. Wouldn't surprise me if this game is a runaway as well, too. But you're only asking to lay two and a half with Buffalo at home. Snowballs be flying in this game. Give me go, go, Buffalo, and give me that 49er gold, baby. <laughs> I love it. I love Gold it. rush, baby. We like it. Good job. All of our best bets on the website, all of ours, Mike Tice, Marco D'Angelo, Scott Spritzer, Gilby the Intern, all up there at tcmartinshow.com. Go check it out and read our preview up there as well. I, It's not that I'm a big favorites guy or Kool-Aid here, but guy, this just seems like a yeah. favorites weekend, doesn't I, it? It does. It really does. And I'm, I'm with you all the way. And I won't pick the Raven game because my one of my dear friends is the offensive coordinator. But I like him, though. Todd Mucker, I like him. That, I, yeah. Before I sent you my numbers this morning, my names this yeah. morning, yeah. I had the Ravens on it, but I don't want to jinx my boy. <laughs> and so I won't touch the game. I'm just going to root. Okay. <laughs> but right. I, I like the Ravens. The, yeah, right. Oh, and, 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 and that could be another blowout. Okay. You know? I sat here last week, and I took the Cowboys against the Packers. And I said, my only fear is the McCarthy and Prescott could screw this thing up. And that's exactly what. Well, then Dan Quinn really screwed it up, right, from the defense side. That was ridiculous. I worry about Lamar Jackson. He's 1-3 in in playoffs. He's got four touchdown passes and seven turnovers in his four playoff games. They should be able to handle Houston. They should be able to handle him at home. But why, Mike, am I worried about Lamar Jackson? Because he hasn't done it in the playoffs. But this is a different Lamar Jackson. Help me and, out, brother. Come think, on. Come on. Todd, push, push me to that, that purple Todd, side. Todd Monken has done a wonderful job developing him. He looks like a better pocket passer. Is Todd the difference, you think? I do. I, I How really long has Todd been with him? This year. That's it. Okay, yeah, good. This year. He Makes won me feel the better. last two national right. championships right. with Georgia. Georgia. Right. We worked together on the Jack Del Rio in Jacksonville. He right. was a receiver coach out of college, right. first time. And, uh, you know, the defense. I think the difference, both good defenses, don't get me wrong. But uh, Baltimore's created 31 turnovers. Yeah. And Stroud is a rookie still. And this is a rookie not playing indoors, playing in the cold. Hmm. Against an elite defense outside, I think that's a big, big, a big reason why I, I like the Ravens. But again, I can't, I can't pick the game. But I'm rooting, I'm rooting hard, boy, for those Ravens. And you know, I'd love to see uh, Lamar because he's had such a great year and he's handled himself so professionally this year. And I, I'd love, and he's grown up, and I'd love to see him just go out and put it all together. And have one of those games that everybody's talking about. Can I borrow your wallet for a second just to kind of like look at it, whatever? And then well, you could turn your head and then uh, I'll uh, go to the window and I'm going to place a ticket. I'm in from your pocket. New York. I put my money in my front pocket. I was going <laughs> <laughs> to put my I'll money go, in my I'll wallet. I'll go make that bet for you. All right. I'll give you, I'll give you a ticket after the game. Oh, and, yeah. you know, you know, we, uh, we can get around those uh, things. You know? God. You're, I'm you're, rooting you're hard. Sick. I talked to Todd this morning. Right? Uh, they've had a great week. So they feel good, they, right? Yeah, they've had a now, great this, week. Now, this, so. this party is over. This party is over for Houston. The party's over for Green Bay. And I think the party's over for Tampa. Even though I can see where Marco's going with that because Tampa Bay does have experience in the playoffs. I, I agree. And, and they got experience. And, and they're, 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 uh, they're, yeah. they're plus number on the turnover ratio, which they I'm are. big on. I've been big on that. But since, their defense has gotten shredded in but a lot of games. They're plus eight in turnover differential. That's, That's pretty good. That means that our, our guy's not turning the ball over. Yeah. But we'll see. All right. You know, we'll see. Marco, thoughts on Houston-Baltimore? I like the under in the game. 
you know, when you look at these two teams, you look at what Houston did last week, scored all those points. The Cleveland defense has been a total shambles the last half of the season, right. especially on the road. And then you look at Baltimore, throw out the last week, the last game of the season because they sat all the starters. The game before that, they scored 56. You look at just those two things, and Vegas hung a 43-and-a-half on this game. What people don't talk about, everybody's talking about the offenses of both teams. Both of these defenses are good. Yeah. Uh, Baltimore has held, I believe, four straight opponents to 20 points or less, and Houston, it's like four of their last five or five of their last six. Teams aren't scoring on them. They always... They look to the offense. You remember the last thing you saw. I think it's going to be a totally different game. And as you said, Mike, the elements are going to be a problem for C.J. Stroud. He's not, you know, he's not used to playing in that. Right. I mean, he played at Ohio State. You might get one or two games at the end of the year, the, you know, the Michigan game. But this is a whole different atmosphere. You're playing yeah. on the road in a playoff game outside Baltimore mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. – Late January, yeah. sixty sacks. The yeah. Ravens' defense has yes. sixty sacks. Yes, yeah. And uh, C.J. Stroud lit up the Georgia defense because they were number one. But that was indoors. Yeah. When you know when he was at Ohio, it's State different. You know, there was a study that used to be when I was with the Vikings. The indoor teams going in the cold, and it's going to yeah. be cold. It's not going to be frigid. Yeah. But what'd you say, twenty? Yeah, and, and it's still cold. Yeah. And uh, we'll see. We'll see. We'll see what he does with pressure. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about Stroud, obviously. Right. right. Yep. All right. Favorites train. Uh, Jay Cornegay and the, the group here. They're the guy, hoping. They're, they're hoping. <laughs> they need one dog to win outright. Yeah. Not Kansas yeah. City. One right. dog not named Kansas City because that game's going right. to be, be right. split. Trevor, before we let you go, uh, thoughts uh, on, on the Baltimore game or anybody else? Well, the Baltimore game, the, the, you guys are talking about the rookie quarterback, C.J. Stroud. Baltimore is just deceptive i mean they they have disguised blitzes showing pressure at a very high rate but then they back out at a very high rate and then they bring people from places that the quarterback might not expect while having numbers in coverage and so that's a real mental game that cj stroud is going to have to deal with because they probably aren't going to bring a whole lot of people much of the time but they're going to threaten it Stroud has to be ready for it, and then who actually does come will probably be slightly unexpected, and then he's going to have to deal with a whole lot of people in coverage. So this will be a really good test for that young quarterback. Yep. All right, looking forward to it. My friend, enjoy your weekend. Eat well, and uh, hopefully we'll talk to you next week. All right, thanks, DC. Thanks, guys. Here it is, Trevor Maddich. All right, our guy. Taking care of business. All right. I want to thank Jay Cornegay for uh, joining us and the head coach, Mike Tice, for rolling in here today, participating in the best bets. Excellent stuff, my man. Appreciate you. And, of course, Marco D'Angelo here as well, too. Always here with us on Fridays and uh, Mondays back in studio. All right. Enjoy the games this weekend. We'll recap it all for you on Monday. And, again, the Raiders making the announcement. Uh, Antonio Pierce, their head coach. We'll see who he hires for his staff, and we'll see if Champ Kelly gets return, uh, retained as the uh, general manager. He's in meetings with the Raiders right now as well, too. And Champ Kelly, by the way, he was on the committee 
of the head coach. He I had his brother uh, at the Minnesota defensive back from Kentucky. Look at that. Yeah. Uh, see, how, that? see how you're connected? I mean, uh, look well, at you're old. When you're connected, that means you're old. <laughs> huh, Marco? <laughs> yeah. That's funny. I'm glad he's, you know, looked at Marco. There you go. Brother, appreciate you as All always. Right, man. We'll see. I owe you guys some dinner. So I'm here through the Super Bowl. So oh, that, and, that, you oh know, I'm putting this on the it's calendar. Gotta be, it's got to it's it's be a weekday. Though, yeah. right? uh, uh, you know what? I can. I eat seven days a week anyway. All right, brother. So, uh, let's it, work that out. It, there, it, let's do it. All, All right. right. Appreciate Nubchuck back in the studio and everyone else and our great crew here at the Westgate Las Vegas. Jay Cornegate, John Murray, and everybody here. T.C. Martin saying so long. We reconvene Monday. Have a great weekend and enjoy. Enjoy.